Julia is here. For those of you who have children, would like to meet her at the back for your Bible bags. All the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. The gospel, uh, I mean the epistle of Paul to the church in Colossae. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start with just the first verse and go only through four verses as we look at this epistle today. There's a phrase that we often use that is a, a joke, but it's actually not a, not a joke. It's actually pretty serious. We have somebody say to us, get a life. You've probably seen it in the context of get off the Internet and get a life. I loved it in a Toyota commercial where there was this daughter who's lamenting that her parents don't have much of a life because they only have 19 friends on Facebook and she had to conjole them to get on Facebook and she has 600 friends. But of course, they're out biking uh, with their friends. And that causes us to ask an interesting question. What kind of life are we to get? Is it different for different generations? Has the technology of our world changed such that uh, getting a life means to have lots of friends on Facebook? Or does it mean to go biking with our friends? And if getting a life is available anywhere or everywhere, then how do you get that life? I love the cartoon I saw this week where there was a, a man standing in front of a vending machine and he's getting ready to put his money in and on the top of the machine it says, get a life. And he goes, ah, they're always out of handsome and brilliant neurosurgeon. <laughs> this morning is Easter Sunday morning. It's the day we celebrate life defeating death. And the reality that such a life can be ours, a life that overcomes death itself, is something that we then ask, how do you get such a life? Jesus got it, of course. He was here for only a few years, was murdered excruciatingly, but then he got a life, a life beyond all description, a life that satisfies the very deepest of longings for any of us as human beings. It's unending, it's joyful, it's fulfilling, it's eternal. A life that death itself cannot stop. But what is fascinating is that he offers that life to you and to me. And he's offered it for 2,000 years. And yet so many do not get it. In Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, he assumes that we've all been raised with Christ into this new life that Christ offers. The scholars explain that he is describing the sacrament of baptism and that we've died to the old life and we're risen to the new life and we take that first breath of new life in Christ, a life that we've received by being in partnership we're co-awakened, co-raised, co-birthed with Christ himself, a life that he made possible. And so this morning as we read the words, get alive, we want to stop and think about what it is that Christ himself is offering us on this resurrection day. What kind of life is it and how do we get it? And once we've gotten it, how do we live it? What does it look like to have a true life of God? So Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to do just the three verses, uh, verse 1 
uh, through 4. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Let your hearts, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now keep that open before you, and let's pray. Father, it's very easy for us to come to a day like this and recognize that it's an amazing day for Jesus, and yet not recognize that the reason he came, the whole purpose of this day, is that we might be co-raised with Christ, that we might be awakened to new and, and eternal ways of being, that we might be co-birthed into a life that is beyond. And so each one of us want to open ourselves to you right now. We would ask that you would speak to us uniquely in our own uh, path and journey and trust and, and seeking, and that each one of us would grow in your, into your amazing likeness. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, I was with our family in Hawaii. We had taken the boys and their wives, and we'd gone to one of these favorite bays that we have. And they were all snorkeling, and I was there. And I was snorkeling in probably seven-foot water or so and, and just following this school of amazing tropical fish. And I kind of just got uh, immersed in it, caught up in it, and I was just going along until suddenly the bottom fell out for me. We went from like seven feet to 50 feet. And in that moment, I literally panicked. It took my breath away, but not in a good way. I was okay still. My snorkel was above air. I could have breathed if my lungs would have cooperated. But I flailed. And I panicked in that moment. And I turned. And I tried to get back to where my life was just a moment ago before it had gone into the deep. And uh, in fact, I got so scared at that 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 I had to go in to the shore and, and calm down and realize I was alive, I was okay. And uh, then I, I ventured back out into the shallow waters again. Now, I've often thought of that experience and how funny it is that I would have such a visceral reaction to seeing the depth that could be experienced in snorkeling. But I've also thought how often I've seen that in the spiritual life, when people are interested in Jesus Christ, and they begin to follow this amazing one, and suddenly they see the depth. This isn't a superficial thing. This is everything. And we recognize immediately. And often I've seen, seen people panic from that and actually pull back and actually move back into the life that they knew before because they're afraid of the deeper life of Christ. Now, there's something about that deeper life with Christ that literally takes our breath away. And this morning, as we look at these words of Paul, he wrote them actually 2,000 years ago to help us understand what happens in that moment when we start living the new life, the deeper life, the completed life, the life in which we are awakened to the things of God and the things beyond this life. The common experience, of course, of rising with Christ, of awakening with Christ, of birthing with Christ, is something that every person, as they 
come to know Christ will use it in different ways and different languages and some unique experiences and some common experiences. But it's something that is meant to, in fact, change everything. We're not supposed to just continue snorkeling in the comfort of the life that we chose, but we're, in fact, invited into a life that is far deeper than this world and the experiences of this world. It's always a life that goes deeper and deeper. No matter how many times you've, you've followed him, he's always going to be taking you to the deeper place. And if in the, in the past you lost your breath and you had to stop and you had to get comfortable with this new depth of following Christ, know that the next day he's going to take you, the next week, the next year, the next moment, he's going to take you into deeper and deeper experiences. Because the life that, that Christ is leading us into knows no bounds. It knows no limits. It's an ongoing eternal life. It's not a, a, a walled-in tomb with a, a rock across the front and that kind of, of existence. It's an eternal resurrection life that he himself broke into and takes us with him. And that expanding resurrection, that unending growth, is what we want to look at in the life of Christ. So we want to take these words and we want to to take each step of it. There are three steps that he gives us in this that's very helpful to us. It's obvious, of course, that the first phrase that Paul says assumes that we have been raised with Christ, that we have been baptized and died to the old life and risen with him into a new awakening, a new breath, a new existence, that we have, in fact, risen in new life. Now, if that's something that you have not done, then I want to invite you this day. This Easter Sunday, 2014, can be the most significant day in your life. It can be the day when you, in the presence of God, opened yourself to the deeper life of God. It can be a moment when you experience something that is far greater than what any breath that you've taken up till this moment as you open yourself to who he is being raised, awakened, breathed, birthed with Christ is the beginning of a whole new existence. Now, as I said, you can do this right now. You can open your heart, your mind, your soul. And so this is what I would encourage you to say. Say it within your heart directly to Jesus Christ. Yes, I choose to be with you, my Lord and Savior. I want the life that you have for me. And if you say that prayer, I encourage you to talk to one of the pastors or talk to a Christian friend and begin the journey because you only begin to breathe. You've only begun to be birthed. You've only begun to be awakened. The continuing life of God is one of discipleship and growth and study and bringing your mind along with your heart and allowing you to experience the fullness that God has for you. It's interesting that the Greek word that Paul uses there is in fact a, a specific moment in time. It's a specific time when we were raised with Christ, when we were awakened to a new existence, when we are in fact birthed into a new life. But all the way through scripture, it's clear that our birth is not what we are going to eventually mature into. And it's a life journey. It's a growing experience. And each one of us begin and then continue on in that journey. 
That's where Paul goes next when he explains that it's not enough to only one time in the past be awakened by God, but in fact we are to set our hearts on the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We are not to focus our minds on the earthly, temporary things that are going to pass away. Now, of course, you have to spend some attention on the things of this world, the earthly things, so you can provide food and shelter and, and safety. But setting our hearts is, in fact, something that's far deeper than just getting through the few years that we're going to be here. It is, in fact, actually knowing who God is and setting our minds on God such that we think his thoughts, we feel his desires, we walk in his path. It's interesting that the, the word that's translated there could be translated, and some do, set your minds on Christ. But in the English language, what we mean by heart is, is we mean mind and will and desire and everything that we are. And so it's better translated that set your heart, set your whole self on God. That's the life we lived now that we've been raised in Christ. Now that we are cooperating with him in this great experience of eternal existence. Now obviously in that we have this wonderful opportunity to seek the things that are from above and to let God be the center of each day. Now how that looks for you is going to be different than how it looks for a person sitting next to you. What does it mean for you to seek the things that are from above? What does it mean to breathe the breath of God? What does it look like for you to focus on the things of this world and to give yourself over to the things of this world? I wonder sometimes whenever I hear people say, get a life, if they aren't in fact saying that there's a life beyond this life we all see, the earthly things. Because if if this world is all there is, and if it doesn't really matter what you do because death is the end, then what difference does it make how you spend the hours and days of your life? What difference does it make if you spend it on the internet or if you spend it trying to amass fame or power or wealth? What difference does it make, no matter how you live your life, if this is all there is? But there's something intuitive within every human being, and our artists certainly describe it for us over and over in our songs and in our films, that to focus on this world is not enough. There's, there's got to be more. And if you amass all the things of this world but have no love, have no transcendence, if death is just the end, there's, there's got to be more. And in fact, one of the things that the artists describe for us is to, to come to that point where you've achieved everything and then the, the human soul says, is that all there is? is? Is this it? I was expecting so much more. And it's at that moment that we begin to realize that to get a life means to get something that transcends this world and its momentary pleasures or experiences. I saw the cartoon this week of a, a man who's standing at the penthouse window and he's looking out all over the city and he's obviously at the pinnacle of worldly success. And his wife is saying these words, Are you crazy? You make $10 million a year and you want to know what the meaning of life is? My experience is that those who achieve the most 
in the things of this world are the most empty when it comes to soul because they recognize I have the money and it did not satisfy. I've got the fame or the popularity and it didn't do what I thought it would do. I've got the power and it's empty because the human soul is not made for, for the things of this world. It's made for the things from above. A love that knows no ending. A love that would come down and die for the beloved and then lift the beloved out of that sorrow and into a place of eternal life. And that recognition that, in fact, this world cannot satisfy the soul is what Paul is saying here. Once we experience new life in Christ, we live in a whole different way, and the soul is satisfied in a whole different experience. Love is, in fact, the primary focus of our lives and cannot be replaced with something else. But like me, in my panic, so many of us live in such a way that we do not set our things from above. And we, in fact, do not live the life of God. And we experience, in fact, that we have not died to the old life. Because that's the solution that Paul gives. It's not that we can just say, oh, I would like to have a little bit of this life and a little bit of this and bring it together in some kind of smorgasbord of my own creation and create a life make a life for ourselves. Jesus Christ says we must die. We must die to ourself. And Paul reiterates it here, that if we do not lay down our lives, we will not be able to take it up. If it is not something that we're willing to let go of, we don't have the hands to hold on to what God has for us. And so we have this wonderful sense that the Christ who is our life is the one who will give us the great life of God. One of my favorite lines in all of film is the one where William Wallace says to Isabella, Queen Isabella, as she comes to him in prison. He's been captured by King Longshanks, this cruel and inhumane uh, British ruler who's just persecuted the Scottish people. And uh, William Wallace has tried to bring freedom to his country and freedom to his land. And he was betrayed, and, and now he's in prison. And Queen Isabella comes to him and he says, Milady, sir, I've come to beg you to confess all and swear allegiance to the king that he might show you mercy. Will he show mercy to my country? Mercy is to die quickly, perhaps even live in a tower. In time, who knows what can happen if you can only live. If I swear to him, then all I am is dead already. You will die. It will be awful. Every man dies, but not every man really lives. It's that line that's caught the attention of the human race, and out of that movie, that's what people have thought about. Yes, he was a historic figure. Yes, he fought for freedom of his nation and his land. But the expression that you could everyone die but not live causes us to stop and think, what, what is living? That truth was, of course, penned by Randall Wallace, the writer of Braveheart. And to risk 
the deep waters is to live, to experience love, and to risk betrayal and broken heart is to live, to risk the life of God and to place ourselves in his hands is to live, to play it safe, to swear allegiance to those who want to destroy us and ours, whether it's of this world or the occultic world, is to miss the point of God. So this morning, I invite you into this deeper life of God. One of the things that we recognize is all the great uh, thinkers and, and leaders of humanity have described is that if we are not awakened to a greater life, then this life has little purpose. Let's spend time with the one who gives us life.